0: Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush what's up everybody
1: john what's going on andrew i feel like we've not been in the podcast studio together like yes we've been in this space a lot i was gonna
2: say yeah,
1: we've, been <laughs> we've been here i so said we've been in here we've not had a lot of time together to do podcasts because we've just been hustling lately
2: yeah just getting after all the other podcasts that we're doing and i wish we'd do these t-
1: podcasts though all day long oh
2: i could do this all day
1: Like if my only job was to just come up with a new idea and talk with you. One day, that's our job. (laughs) One day. We should pick a day sometime in the near future where seriously, all we do is we say, lock the door, sign up that says me and John are podcasting, and we just hammer out as many episodes as we can hammer out. That would be fun. Because I think it would be fun. I think we'd have a good day. Let's start this thing off with an icebreaker. I had a deep one for you, John. Okay, so entrepreneurship can be a tough road. Absolutely. In the difficult moments, how do you stay focused? on moving forward and making progress.
2: In the difficult moments, how do you stay focused?
1: (sighs) Yeah, especially on moving forward and making progress.
2: I think it is the looking ahead to the progress to be made that keeps me moving forward in the difficult moments. You know, it's when you're in the valley, it's looking up and seeing that mountaintop you're trying to get to and what all you may have to climb to to get there. But I think for me, what keeps me going is seeing the next mountaintop. Like, we're going to get there. It may stink down here in these trenches, but
1: we're going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. I think situational awareness, knowing where you're at.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's
1: equally as important, right? Saying, okay, things aren't as bad as they seem. You know? Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we get caught up with the little challenges and the little roadblocks. You know, it's the little things that really get you down. You know, you remember that song? The
2: little things. Yeah. It's like a
1: tiny pebble in your shoe. Yeah. All it takes is a teeny tiny pebble in your shoe to piss you off, man. A little bitty blister
2: on your heel. You ever get a new pair of boots and have to walk a bunch? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That can ruin your dexterity. And That's right. It's so, I've never actually had this conversation, but it's the tiniest things that can make all the difference, you know? And so, but I really like your approach, too, in the sense that, like, I know where I want to go. Right. Right? And as long as I can stay focused on, obviously, the now and move that way, I know A, I know Z, I know that there's going to be a lot of distractions and disturbances along the way, but I'm on route, you know?
2: Yeah. It's sort of the embrace the suck modality. Oh, yeah.
1: Exactly. Embrace the suck. Yeah, exactly. Like the Navy guys will say, right? Exactly. So, today, we're going to be talking about something that I'd say is the suck a lot of times for a lot of business owners, which is numbers, right? Knowing your numbers can be really challenging. So let's kick this thing off with some stats, right? Let's talk about that. I think you've got some good ones here. I'm going to let you lead here.
2: Yeah. So the first one is, it's one that we use to kick off another podcast around here. 50% of small businesses will close doors within the first year. And that's a real statistic too. Yeah.
1: yeah that's sad to me. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty percent of people who set out will fail. Wow. You have a fifty fifty chance of even making it through your first year.
2: Yeah. So what does keep you going, you know? Yeah. If it's fifty fifty, it's like flipping a coin, we'll either make it or we won't. I think the sort of the mentality of let's just keep going no matter what will kind of get you there, you know. But you could make terrible financial decisions just going forward blindly. The other one is twenty five percent of spending cuts happen in hiring marketing and traveling budget. And employee perks are also a common place where people
1: make budget cuts. Which is sad because we've talked so many times in our podcast about how important your marketing budget, people and marketing, because all that plays into the culture of the company. Right. Because people buy from people. That's right. And if you stop hiring people or investing in your people, you start getting rid of the things that make them happy And even in travel part is part of that too, right? You're hurting the brand. You hurt your brand because your brand is the people. Somebody told me a long time ago, and I might have shared this before, but saving money is not making money. Ooh. And that is a quote that has stuck with me for my entire life. (laughs) It's that old, the
2: story from the Bible, you know, what have you done with these talents? And the one that hid them away, saved them,
1: did nothing with them. You know, yeah. Just because because that's the first thing business owners want to do is like when things get tough, it's instead of saying, what can we do to get more sales? They say, what can we cut? What can we get rid of? Instead of bringing in more money, how do we spend less money? Saving money is not making money.
2: While saving money could put you in a position to have better cash flow or something like I think saving money is a short term solution.
1: Absolutely. It's not a bad idea. No, not at all. Like, I think it's always good to be aware of how you're spending. And that's what we're going to get into today. But I think that the awareness around it is important, but you shouldn't be using that as your primary focus to transform your business, right? If you're just saying, well, we're going to cut this software, we're going to cut that software, and we're going to get rid of this guy and we're going to get rid of that person. Well, all of a sudden you've taken away what makes your business special in the first place.
2: Well, yeah, if you have a specialized position at your company and you decide that that's not worth it, well, what if that was the one reason keeping four of your clients hanging on?
1: with you. If that was that one person that was the person.
2: Yeah. And now they're indifferent to you. Now you've created that gap, the loyalty gap by your own actions.
1: (laughs) I can totally relate to this last statistic here. 40% of small business owners state that bookkeeping and taxes are the worst part of owning their businesses. I can speak with confidence and tell you that that is Very true. I'm a part of the 40% of small business owners that say that. Now, I've gotten better at it, okay? When I first got into business... Well, you started to put value in it. That's right. That's exactly right. I started prioritizing it. Whenever I first started business and people were like, you need a bookkeeper and you need accounting software and you need a CPA, I was like, that is the last place I'm going to spend money. Like, no, (laughs) that's a waste.
2: (laughs) And then that first tax bill came in for me and I thought, all right, my mom is in payroll and... (laughs)
1: help. (laughs) Please help mom. Help. Help. Dude, I really messed up in the first couple of years. I trusted people to help me that I shouldn't have trusted, you know, free work. I tried to do some of it on my own. And dude, I'd say back in probably 2014 or 15, I was like in over my head in debt, right? Because I had essentially allowed my taxes for the business to get so out of sorts that I had this bill that I didn't, there was no way I was going to tackle it. Right. It was a monster and it was met. Like I did not have the paperwork right. It was very scary. I remember when I sat down for the first time to like talk to a CPA about fixing it. And I told her, I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail. Like I'm pretty sure I'm going to prison soon. (laughs) Yeah. Very real. Like I'm going to be like the CEO arrested. Enron is coming for my company. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, Meanwhile, like I'm probably the smallest tax bill on the planet comparatively. But for me, it was very overwhelming. When you have a tax bill that's, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and your business is not doesn't have that excess in cash flow, you're freaking out. Where's that gonna come from?
2: Yeah. And you're talking about the IRS and they will put you in jail. They will take your money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could freeze your bank accounts and take your car. What I learned is they're not as scary as you think, as long as you talk to them. If you try to just hide in the corner and hope the problem will go away, it's only going to get worse.
1: Yeah. It will not. It's growing. And that was really what screwed me was I pushed it off for so long that it compounded. All that compounding interest and late fees. Oh, dude, it stacks. It stacks hardcore.
2: And so, if you're listening to this and just starting out right now in your small business, uh, take this advice right here. Look at your taxes. You know, yeah.
1: It is safe to say that I'm not at all in that position anymore because of that experience.
2: Never again, type moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Never again. Like I immediately understood the value, and it's like when I see that expense, I'm like, oh, I don't want to pay that, but I need to. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. You see it, and you're like, but. The of if you don't is way worse.
1: Yeah, that's right. I would much rather pay an expert to help me be ahead than to try to take the guesswork and then end up in another situation five years from now where it's stacked up and compounded even bigger.
2: Well, you could end up saving yourself money by hiring an expert because I know my mom came on with a company one time and they had a bunch of back taxes like that. And just two calls to the IRS, she saved them a couple
1: million dollars in taxes. Well, think about it this way, too. We go back to that saving money, not making money conversation. A lot of times business owners will say, well, I think that I can do it myself. And maybe you can. Some of us cannot. But you know, if you think you can do it on your own and you're saying, oh, well, I'm going to save this money, I'm going to save that money. But then you ended up in a situation where like me, it actually cost me more in the long run than it would have if I would have just paid for it in the current time. Right. Because of all the fees that you incurred. Yeah. This topic today is called... The silent killer of small business numbers. I'm glad you went to The Voice. Yeah, I had to go to The Voice. Numbers is the silent killer. Absolutely. Of small business, seriously.
2: It's the hypertension of... Just the
1: awareness. (laughs) It's truly just the awareness of what are my sales? What is my revenue? You know, what kind of productivity? And we talk about numbers a lot of times we get caught up in the finance side and that's true, a a big part of it. But you've also got other numbers. You know, employee hours, overhead, labor, you have budgets for marketing, advertising. that's right. I mean, it's very wide, you know? I mean, just the other day, I spent time just trying to figure out how many hours do we spend on average maintenance a website.
2: right, to figure out how much that costs you, actually.
1: How much does it truly cost me? Like, am I charging enough? Not enough, too much? right? Like I need to know that stuff.
2: And as our technology grows in here, I think I commend you for this because, you know, as we even upgraded the studio, you're looking at podcasting prices and what we put
1: in here and do we need to change what we're doing? Or, yeah, And a lot of times, like any good entrepreneur or business owner will know, a lot of times you're winging it. That is just a part of it. Okay. Hey, that's a part of it because, you know, until you get out there and start going, you don't know. Yeah, that's right. You just don't know. And so, a lot of times, you know, even in our podcast studio, we charge a different amount now per month to manage a podcast than we did two months ago. But we've grown. We have better technology. Yeah. Because we started to go, oh, okay, well, it actually cost this much time and it actually required this much equipment. And that's equipment we had to invest in and not the clients, right? So, it's all those things t- have to be taken into account. Now, the part that I think the average entrepreneur, business owner is thinking is numbers, finances, ugh, another hat. Like another hat I have to wear. Yes. Another thing for me to do.
2: And that's why you were saying that's why you hire someone. Because yes, you still need to put that hat on from time to time. But you can wear the hat that is a manager of someone that manages that. You know
1: what I mean? Yes. I think there's a phrase that trust then verify. I think that's, it could be better than that. But trusted verified. It's like trust then verify. It's like I trust that my accountant's doing their job every month. That doesn't mean I shouldn't just go double check every once in a while that things are what they say they are.
2: Right. Make sure things are... Well, sometimes it's you forget. Like sometimes with me,
1: like, hey, did you do this? Oh, no. I'll do that right now. And it's not that, you know, you don't have to micromanage, right? It's just that healthy checkup and... It's more just checking in like, hey, are you good?
2: Do you need anything? Make it more relational. Not so much about, you know, bringing the hammer down of getting the job done Yeah. It's more, are you good? Do you need
1: support from me in this area? Or do you just need a reminder from me? Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the different types of numbers we should know. Yeah. That's a good idea. Kind of where you're coming from, where you're going. You used a great analogy earlier. I'd like you to share if you don't mind. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when you want to go somewhere, what do you do? You open up your Maps app on your phone and you type in, you know, wherever you want to go, beefy marketing. And what is the first thing it asks you? Which location do you want to use for starting location? Where are you? Before it can give you any direction on how to get somewhere, it needs to know where you are. And I think the same thing with growing and scaling your business. Before you even make a plan on where you're going to go, you need to realize where you are because that's going to determine the steps that you need to take to get to that goal that you're setting. Or to even determine what the goal is that you should set. Because if you're setting a goal for, you know, $500,000 in sales, but last year you did six you are really not making a goal
1: to grow your business at all. That's right. I think that's the biggest importance of knowing your numbers is if you want to grow, if you want to scale, you've got to understand where you currently are. And like you said, I love that, the maps analogy, because I think that's like so on point. It's like, we want to go somewhere. But where are you currently? Where are you? Because that determines everything on how I tell you how to get there. Yeah, the numbers are going to help you make financial, informed financial decisions. Because that's better than just guessing. Oh, yeah, dude. I occasionally still guess and estimate. Or
2: estimating. Yeah. The scientific method of hypothesis. <laughs> <Yeah>. but <I'm
1: laughs> exactly. But I really, really, over the last couple of years have been trying to deep dive into Here's the deal. Just, I'm talking quite frankly here. I think other business owners can relate to this. When you're in the growth stage, sometimes you're just going, well, I think we're making an X amount of dollars and I'm pretty sure that we're spending about that many dollars, which means, yeah, I can hire that guy for that much money. And you do it, and it might work for a little bit. Yeah, but then what if something changes? But if you lose a customer or a new expense pops off, or maybe you spend $20,000 that was in your cash reserves. Right, on upgrading
2: equipment. Or-
1: but you were actually running in the red. If you were running technically, uh, like let's just say that your expenses were 5000 but your income was 4000 So technically, you're making it every month, negative $1,000, negative $1,000, negative 1000 because there was cash flow. There was reserves, Right. But all of a sudden, when those reserves run dry, you can't afford that thing anymore.
2: Now you can't do that. Yes. You need to know if you're set yourself
1: up for volatile failure. Are you cash flow positive? If for those of you, hopefully a lot of the business owners we're talking about are pretty well versed in this stuff. But cash flow positive, meaning what is coming in is more than what is going out. And
2: that should be true of everything, right? Yeah.
1: You've got to be cash flow positive. I mean, Yes, there's a lot of businesses who are technically not cash flow positive because they've got funding or finances, things like that.
2: I think Amazon is one of them. It's an example. And well, and that's because they've put everything back into investment, but they know their numbers or they wouldn't be able to do that.
1: That's exactly right. So, you know, running cash flow positive, especially for smaller business owners, is key to making informed, successful decisions, to being able to grow, having that cash available to buy inventory, to buy new technology, new equipment to hire new people. And so for us at the agency here at Beefy, we've been trying a lot lately to just bet more, more better, better, betterly, more better. More betterly? More betterly. I like it. Yeah, yeah. The More Betterly Podcast,
2: where we learn English.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, just understanding what our numbers are, even for us. So it's like, what we're talking about today is not something like, hey, I'm going to school you on this. Like, no, I'm going to talk to you about the stuff that I'm doing, I'm learning. So one of the numbers you got to know is revenue. How much money you yeah, have coming in, right? Now, this one goes hand in hand with profitability. This is a great sit down that I had with my wealth advisor, kind of business consultant a few months ago, was he's like, hey, what is your goal for this year? To be more profitable or to make more revenue? And I was like, "Uh, same thing, right, bro? Same thing, right? And he's like, no, he's like, you need to figure out profit by category, you know, for each of your services. And I was like, okay. And I'm still thinking like, like, what? This all feels the same. The difference is, I'm going to just do some quick examples. Let's say that t-shirts is a business line for us, uh, gives us a 50% profit margin. Okay, so for a $10 shirt, yeah, $10 shirt, we make another $10, let's call it, okay, 20 bucks, total sale. But let's say that podcasting is a 100% profit margin, it's doubled over, right? So when you start to look at those numbers, you go, oh, well, we make a lot more money off podcasting. So to increase the profitability, we should probably sell more of that. Push that. That's right. Instead of t-shirt sales, which would bring revenue in. That's right. You should not sell that. But where I should spend my marketing energy, my marketing dollars, my efforts to drive new sales needs to be in my most profitable categories. So profitability. So again, back to revenue for a second. Revenue includes cost of goods sold. So for example, with the t-shirt business where there's a cost of goods sold, on a $20,000 t-shirt order, and I'm just making up numbers here, these are not real, but if I had a $20,000 t-shirt order, only 4,000 of that might actually be profit. I had to buy the materials. Right, because you have to pay for materials. Yeah, I remember running, sometimes people
2: would see, you know, these huge budgets for some of these AV shows that we do and they think, oh man, this guy's making tons of money. And i would be like, well, actually, if you break it down, you look and there's like five grand over here. There's about 10 there. There's 20 sitting right here at this table between all our salaries today. And then, you know,
1: this, that, and the other. It's like, it looks like there's really not that much profit on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so when you look at the business at the end of the year, I could say, John, we grew revenue by $300,000. Right. But we still have the same amount of cash flow. Why? Because we had way more profitability when we were doing more podcasting. And really, all we were doing was selling a ton more t-shirts. Right? So you have to be careful about that. Because you might be like, well, we did $300,000 more in sales this year. Why are we still not able to grow? Why aren't we able to hire these three new people we want?
2: You have to know, especially if you're product-based, you have to know which products are producing the most money for you. And you
1: have to know which ones are kind of not. You really do. And then cost. Cost is that it goes hand in hand with profitability and revenue, right? Oh, 100%. Because I mean, you've got to know what it costs to run the business. That revenue coming in is going to be taken away from your costs. That's right. For example, with websites. So we do a lot of websites at Beefy. It costs us nearly $1,000 a month just for hosting because we host so many websites. So a client might be thinking like, "Why wow, you guys charge what you charge. But it's like, we have a hard fixed cost that we are paying for. You don't have to pay for it. We're including that for you. And they're like, oh, it's like, so our $500 a month or whatever, all of a sudden is only, you know, 400 a month. And that's just in that one piece of software. That's not the hours and labor that goes into maintaining that website or any of the other software we have to pay for to run the company. So that's what we have to start to evaluate is, okay, not only what do we have in labor costs, But what about just operational? Operation
2: costs. Well, and if you're in an industry that has licenses and, you know, you need
1: certain things, yeah, you're going to have to include that in your costs for the year. You know, you think about a franchise. We had a franchise e-business in our studio the other day doing a show. And I was talking to them about just kind of like the toughness of monthly expenses. And they were like, yeah, we hear you on top of our rent. We have franchise fees, marketing fees. All that has to come out of their bottom line, which means they really have to crank their sales, right? And so- To increase their profitability. To increase their profitability. Absolutely right. So, you know, I'd say revenue. Yeah, you want to know what your revenue is. And typically, that's the number you are growing. You know, like next year, I want to do a million dollars in sales. Okay, but was a million dollars in sales equated to a million dollars in profitability? No, probably not. Yeah, because you're going to spend some of that money naturally. There's margins, right? You've got costs, you know, operational expenses, rent, insurance, healthcare, payroll, all the things that add up. All those things, the lights that are on, (laughs) yeah, salaries. Oh, that's a big one too. You know how much does everyone get paid, including the business owners? Right? Are you including in that? You know, the ability to grow those salaries so you keep those people around. And then that's the thing too, even with you know when you start to hire your first employees, and the established business owners understand this, but to hire an employee costs more than just the amount you offer them. right? If I offered you a sixty thousand dollars a year, that might really be 65 to sixty eight thousand a year because I have to pay taxes on that. as do you as the employee, but the employer also has to pay taxes. So it's really interesting there, right? Like so when you're think, taking into account like your first hire, you can't just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to pay 50,000." Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at your numbers. Make sure you know your numbers. Don't just be throwing stuff around.
2: Like, we were playing a game with with my 5-year-old where we had like a gun store and each gun cost different money and he was randomly changing the price and I asked him why and he said cuz I can. Oh.
1: <laughs> and I was like, "You wouldn't run your business like a 5-year-old, right?" Like, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Yeah, n- know your numbers. I mean, you've got to know how much things cost. Truly cost. You know, that's the, kind of the importance there is that an employee doesn't just cost 60000 a year. It's with benefits, insurance.
2: Well, also, are you going to be providing, you know, waters and coffee and things around the office? And, you
1: know, those people are going to drink those things. I'll tell you right now, bro, when we got this office, I did not take that into account. I mean, not truly.
2: Right. I thought, yeah, we're going to have podcasts. We're going to need to buy water and drinks and stuff. And then you think how many people are actually coming in daily and like
1: another case of water has gone. Yes, More sir. TP, more paper towels, little snacks to make, you know, just the office kind of a fun place to work. And I can be honest and say I did not add that into my budget. I took the price of rent, price of internet, price of electricity and water and said, that's what it's going to cost. No, <laughs> add a few hundred bucks. It might be a
2: good idea to include in your budget 5% miscellaneous just to so you never
1: have that issue. If you're budgeting padded a bit, Right. Add a little extra so that if you say, OK, this is what I think. I'm going to go ahead and pad that 10 percent. And even if I don't spend it, at least now I'm running in a. Have you ever done a craft because,
2: oh, I can make that for cheaper than I can buy it. Yeah. And then by the time you're done, you spent more than you would have if you ordered it in yeah. time and money. And that's because did you do any research before you started it? Probably not a whole lot because it's
1: easy. It's not business. It's for myself. Right. That's exactly right. It's when employees, when employees are like, well, I've never had this experience here, but I've had other business owners share this with me. They'll be in the warehouse saying, well, I could do all this stuff that you're doing and make just as much money. And they'll just quit and think that they can do it. And it's like, and then six months later, they're back because they don't have the work drive. Yeah. Doesn't take just this thing. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes to make this machine run.
2: Yeah. You got your role here, but there's a lot more roles here. Yeah. I've always had respect for the boss, man, because I knew there was more going on than, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. Same, man. Same. Cash flow is another number you're going to want to know. It's honestly. I've seen it kill businesses. Exactly. It's the most important number. If you've used an invoicing or an accounting software like QuickBooks, for example, this is what they call the profit and loss report. Okay. How much is coming in? How much is going out? That equates to your cash flow. Okay. If you're spending more than you're making, You're in the red. If you're making more than you're spending in the green and you'll hear sometimes people say we're in the black, that means you're spending and making the exact same amount. Right. Which means you're breaking even. You're breaking even, which is not bad. It's not bad, but you're not growing from that point. That's right. Now you might be sustaining all your employees and all that, but if you want to level up, if you want to grow the business and scale, you're going to have to work on getting the cash flow up. Well, how do you do that? Working on profitability. Finding out what can we do more of that costs us less. I'd say. Of the
2: 50% of businesses that fail, they're probably not looking at this at all, or at least not close enough. They're thinking, oh, we're breaking even. We pay bills. I
1: could almost bet you $1,000 that if we asked a group of 10 business owners, you pick them, most of them would not know their numbers at all. Probably not. I want to say we interview a lot of business owners,
2: and I... Only had one that could probably throw real hard numbers with me without looking at anything. Yeah. I've only had one that could sit there and tell me, "Yeah, my store and this
1: one did this much last week. Oh, that store did that much this That's week." Right. Yeah, and th- one. That's right. Yeah, and I know we're both thinking about the same one because they do look at their nu- and they are numbers people. They know their numbers and they are very successful. They are because they know their numbers.
2: They know their numbers. They look at their numbers. They looked at the numbers before they ever even thought about
1: putting up one store and now they're at 60 something exactly and so i think that that's the scary thing you know and again i'm guilty of this i'm not sitting up on a soapbox saying you suck you know figure it out i'm sitting up here on a soapbox saying this is what we have to do to keep doors open help me out we gotta keep this thing going all right i need some accountability here because seriously knowing your numbers is the make or break of any successful business I talk to entrepreneurs, business owners all the time. They just unfortunately don't get it or they've just not sat down and spent the time understanding their their numbers. And it's a bad thing. And again, I've been guilty of it. I still struggle with it sometimes because I'm I'm in the day to day and I'm just trying to like chip away at the next project and the next thing and just trying to grow. But I'm getting better about knowing, okay, this is where we stand. One of the tools we talked about on our one of our very, very first podcast episodes, uh, Friday, which is a really cool team communication app and planner and all that. And it lets you create goals that the team can see as a whole. And one of the things that I did to try to be more transparent about numbers and beyond just myself, but the entire team to be a part of that was I put our revenue as a goal there, our revenue goal. And then every month I try to go in there and update it. For me,
2: it was, I had no clue. I'm not the numbers guy and I don't want to be. And that's why I'm in my role. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so, yeah, for me, it was like,
1: oh wow, that's what we're doing. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it creates buy-in. I think it's okay to share your numbers. You think about big, big companies. It's public. It's public knowledge. They're publicly traded. It's public. They tell you where they're spending, where they're earning. It's accountability, right? It's like, you know, Matt always says, if it's not written down, it's not a goal. And we've talked about a thousand times, but- Same applies with your numbers. If you don't know them, then you're likely making informed business decisions, right? You're likely misinformed. Yeah. Yeah. Misinformed. Yeah. Or you're just guessing because I can, you know, five-year-old style. Five-year-old. Yeah. Well, I can, yeah, let's just do it. Honestly. And sometimes, bro, whenever we're like, like yesterday, it's like, we got to get Studio B ready. I was like, I'll just go buy the mics. Have I sat down and made sure that we could safely and smartly buy those mics? no not a chance but we need them to get studio B going yeah yeah you know <laughs> I've got to do it so yes I should probably take a second to just okay will this hurt us in any way if me buying six microphones is going to keep me from running payroll let's not do that
2: don't make bad this is yeah like, please yes, don't do please that
1: don't, <laughs> please don't run that. Yeah, let's don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need the mics anymore.
2: I got a couple mics at the house, man. I got some fifty oh, seven. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll just scrounge all of our mics together. I've got some...
2: Got a 57, a 58, a Sennheiser 803. We've got that cool vintage
1: ST, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, the tube mic. It's going to sound way different oh, than God, everything. What we'll a Neumann? We'll have, dude, it'll be an eclectic group of microphones. They will all sound very different. But I think the bottom line in today's episode is if you take the time to sit down, understand your numbers, spend some time looking at that profit and loss report. That really is your best friend as a business owner is just understanding what's going out, what's coming in. Don't lose sight of the cash that you have in the bank cuz yes, that's a part of your cash flow. If, if one month you did a huge month where you did $50,000 more in profit than you would normally do in a regular month, well then yes, you've got some what they call like a run rate. You've got some cash that you can pull from over several months. Eventually again, that money will kind of fade away. So For me personally, I make all financial business decisions not based on cash in the bank, right? But cash going in and cash going out. Even though there might be $40,000 in savings, I try not to make monthly decisions. Right, that are going to eat at those. They're going to eat at that, right? I try to make those based on positive cash flow. The only thing I try to dip into the savings for is new equipment, new technology, investment opportunities. I like to keep that money kind of untouched. It's like the rainy day emergency we lose a massive retainer and we need to pull into that a little bit to kind of float us for some. I want to be there for that. I don't want to be running my operational costs out of savings because savings is going to run down fast.
2: That is bankrupting your business if you're doing that.
1: So know your numbers. Let's talk about a business (laughs) growth.
2: I love the new
1: sound. It's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, bro. That is the coolest new growth hack sound. Hey, you guys should definitely get a piece of software like QuickBooks, like FreshBooks.
2: It's going to help you know your
1: numbers. Know your numbers. And those are two of the top, you know, there's a couple of others. There's a company called Wave, there's a company called Zero, but there's a lot of great ones out there. The one we personally use here at Beefy is FreshBooks. Love it a lot. It is an invoicing software, obviously at its root, but it also does all of the other things like bookkeeping and accounting. And then some other great resources about knowing your numbers. One of my favorite, absolute favorite tools, I think I've talked about it before, is a company called Bench, B-E-N-C-H, and they are bookkeepers. They're not a sponsor of the podcast, I promise you. They are somebody I've used for the last few years, and I absolutely love what they do for me. They basically handle all of the ins and outs of looking at where we spent money. How We Made Money, they create nice profit and loss reports. There's a great mobile app that makes it really easy. They have this thing called like The Pulse.
2: Dude, I love a good mobile
1: app. Oh, dude, a good mobile app. Well, that's the thing for me that's been so huge about working with Bench was that I can literally open the app right now. And if you ask me, hey, Andrew, how are we doing, you know, right now for sales? Bench is pulling all of that in and they sync. This is my favorite thing, especially like when you think about like traditional bookkeepers, which there's nothing wrong with working at a traditional bookkeeper. But my favorite thing about Bench is that it syncs with all your bank accounts. And so the cool thing is I can legitimately see every single business transaction that I've made. I can categorize them. I've got this little pulse screen that will show me exactly where we kind of stand in terms of cash in, cash out. It's got my profit and loss reports, all of that in one place. And you know, even just from a sales meeting standpoint,
2: that's an amazing tool to have as a small business owner because... What do you tell on your sales skills, guys, if you don't have HR developing, you know, training stuff for you?
1: That's right. And you don't want to have to be in a position where the only time you can even know where your numbers are is if you like have to email this person, email that person and wait three weeks for a report to come. It's like having that at my fingertips. I'll mail it to you. Exactly. We'll, we'll get it out. Having it at my fingertips, knowing that I can just pull it out of my pocket and boom, all of the important data to make informed decisions is right there massively helpful and they integrate with all of the major places well what if you come across
2: a deal of a lifetime on a piece of equipment or something and man can i afford this right now because
1: this would save me money in the long run that's right but you need to know your numbers and you need to know them fast right i think that's the tool that i want you guys to know about is bench bench is the one that is going to handle your bookkeeping that is the hack that is the hack sean what a great conversation
0: man know your numbers all right bro
2: know your numbers man later later